Do you have what it takes to be a master detective? And then we meet an old man who's out camping by himself. He thinks he's going to have a relaxing evening. Instead, he stumbles onto the answer that explains everything. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are getting ready for the weekend. Should be a lot of fun. You know who's a lot of fun? Our newest Patreon supporter, Chaz. Everyone, give a round of applause for Chaz. He's floating down. He's like, has a bunch of balloons. He's floating down. Super spooky, super slow. His Pennywise is now supporting the show. Chaz has been listening to the show for two years. That's an OG listener. Really, really appreciate it and appreciate the support through the Patreon. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode, but you're going to have to get rid of the clown makeup and let the balloons go because it's too freaky. If you can't support the Patreon, but you do want some balloons, forget the balloons. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. So Chaz, we're going to start this story off... Actually, let me back up for a second. Chaz, I'm going to throw you the keys to the Jason Jalopy, but before we get started, I had a little omission yesterday. Yesterday's episode, I said I woke up from a nap, not a map. I was about to say map. I woke up from a nap, and I've been battling insomnia for the past week or two, and I left out a crucial piece of information about the NBA Jam story, that being who I got the story from. Now, it wasn't sent to me, but I, I learned about it watching a video from a YouTuber named Odd Header. It's an amazing channel, and I totally, I felt really, really bad that I didn't get to put that in there. It's an amazing channel that covers video game mysteries. It's really, really cool stuff. I got two or three more stories that I'm going to cover from, that I learned about from his channel, and I'll give him proper credit at that time. But it's a really good channel if you're into video games and you're into spooky stuff. Uh, Easter eggs, creepy game endings that no one was ever supposed to find, haunted video game machines. It's a really good channel, so sorry about that odd header that I left you out. I definitely did not know of this NBA. I don't believe I knew of this NBA story until I saw his video, so um, I apologize for that. Okay, are you ready, Chaz? He's he's putting back on his clown makeup. No, 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 no clowns, no clowns. Hop in the Jason Jalopy. Chaz is going to take us for a little drive. We are headed out to Houston, Texas. Chaz is driving us down to Houston, Texas. This story just happened, and I was reading it, and I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, not only is it a really interesting story with lots of weird implications, but you will be able to put yourself to a detective test. Because when I read this story, I go, I never would have thought of that. I am not a detective. But you might be. Chaz, stop right here. We're at 4800 Raven Ridge. So if you live in the area, you you can see where this happened. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. People are staying at home, you know, because there's nothing to do. Everything's shut down. So when someone's running down the street screaming, it gets your attention. You're like, Mom, Mom, turn off the television. Let's, we got some live theater going on outside. Everyone looks outside. So there's a man running down the street in this suburban neighborhood screaming. He's only wearing his underwear. So the guy screaming's weird enough. Maybe not, depending, <laughs> depending on where you live, you're like, oh, that's how I wake up in the morning. I'll let the hobos wake up first and they start screaming. Man running through your neighborhood screaming, that's weird. A man running through your neighborhood wearing underwear, that's more bizarre. Now I got your attention, right? You city slickers. And as he's running down the street, he's screaming, help me. He's screaming, help me, help me, help me. I was kidnapped. I was kidnapped, everybody. I was kidnapped. 
And while he's running, it's so funny because I imagine like you being in your house and you see the guy running. He's like, help, 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 help. He's getting closer to you. He's like, I'm getting kidnapped. I've been kidnapped. And then, and you're like, no, I want to hear the rest of the story. You're running after him. You're like, I don't want to save him. I just want to find out where the story goes. He's screaming help. He's screaming that he's been kidnapped. And not just that. He's not the only one. He says, there's a bunch of people in that house over there. We've all been kidnapped. And he's running down the street. He's running down the street and he's yelling out, there's like two dozen of us. We've been kidnapped. We've been kidnapped. There's a bunch of us in that house. Help, help. And at that point, everyone kind of like following along, kind of like slows to a jog. And they're like, I know I'm done. I'm done. Right? Let's go call the cops. Because like one person getting kidnapped, that's bad. Right? I'm not in support of that. I'm not like, what? He's just only kidnapped one person. That's bad. But when there's 25, 26 people who have been kidnapped, you might be next. That's a lot of kidnapping to do. The cops come out. They find the man. And he directs him to the house. Cops open the door. Open the super spooky door. There's a giant, like, ornate knocker on it. It's like, who's there? It's talking to them. I'm the door. No, they just, it's a, it's a normal door, but it does make a spooky noise. That was in the police report. The door spooked me out, said Officer Kristoff. The door opens up. Sure enough, there's not 30 people in there. He was just guesstimating. He didn't have time to count them. He's like, oh, you know, while we're kidnapped, we might as well, you know, play a party game. I spy something absolutely terrifying. Oh, it's the, it's the kidnappers. There was 25 kidnap victims in this house. So when the cops answer the door knocker's riddle and they open the super spooky door, they see a room. This is where I want you to put on your detective caps. They're looking at a house full of people. They're all in their underwear. But he said there was about 25, 26 people. There's more than that amount of people in this room. All of them are wearing underwear and all of them are claiming to have been kidnapped. Put your detective hats on. How do you figure out who the kidnappees are versus the kidnappers? 30 people in a room, all only wearing underwear. How do you figure it out? I almost feel this should should be like in a high school test. It's a very, very interesting case of deduction. I didn't think about this. You might have figured it out. The cops figured it out fairly quickly. Because they made a bunch of arrests and they freed all of the kidnapped people. As the police officers were scanning the room and everyone was claiming to be a kidnapped victim, the police noticed something. You had most of the people in that room had dirty underwear. There was about five of them who had a fresh, clean pair of underwear on. Police go, that's the kidnappers. They arrested him. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, they didn't, the judge isn't like, guilty, you were wearing clean underwear. But that was enough. They go, they were the ones that stuck out. So this was a human smuggling operation. And the article doesn't say where they were coming from, where they were going, what the intent was. But the police do believe that these people were kidnapped. They were held against their will. They were kidnapped. At some point, they may have said, hey, yeah, I want to go here. I want to travel over the border or something like that. But at this point in time, they had been kidnapped for a while. Long enough to get your underwear dirty. It takes a while for my underwear to look dirty. Like, I can wear the same... I'm not going to talk about the smell. I don't know. That might happen in a day or two. But I could wear underwear for like a week. I never have. But I've worn the same underwear for like one or two days and they don't get dirty. Everyone wears underwear for one day. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never worn dirty underwear. Right now, a bunch of people are shaking their head. They're like, Jason, I guarantee you, of all people, have worn dirty underwear at some point. But not visibly dirty. 
Which is weird. It must have been like super dirty in there. <laughs> just big pin, big pins of the kidnapper. He's like, ha ha ha. Now I'm going to get back at Charlie Brown, that fat headed fool, making all the people <laughs> do the peanuts dance. Must have been super dirty in there, or they must have been held there for a long time. But I never would have figured that out. Everyone was claiming to be a kidnappee. No one was claiming to be a kidnapper. And you go, well, wouldn't the people who were kidnapped point to the people? Just go, hey, that is the guy who kidnapped me. Yeah, but they would just point back at you. And some people would probably be fearful to point them out in case the ruse works. And the, then the cops are like, oh, I guess you guys are just having one of those famous Houston underwear parties we've heard so much about and never got invited to. It doesn't hurt my feelings. That's okay. I'll leave. And then you're stuck there and you're basically a rat. So I thought it was an interesting story. I never would have figured that out. I probably would have been like, see you guys later. It looks like you guys are having a lot of fun. Maybe I'll swing back by later. And the kidnapper's like, oh, that'd be awesome. It, other than the detective quiz, it's an interesting story because it's it's one of those things. It's a suburban neighborhood. Everything was going according to plan. People were living their lives, hanging out with their kids, watching Netflix. And then two houses down, you had 25 people. It was 25 men and one woman in this house, all in their underwear. It was right in the middle of the suburbs. Chaz, let's go ahead and give you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind our newly freed friends... They're all wearing a clean pair of underwear. They're giving us a thumbs up. We're giving them a thumbs up. Hopefully their future is far better than their dirty underwear past. Chaz, you are going to fly us out to Peru. We're going on a little trip to meet a man who may have solved everything. Carpenter copters flying over the Peruvian mountains. There's a bunch of dudes playing those big old bamboo sticks that sound like rain. Jason, that's our national instrument. <laughs> You're making it sound like a trumpet. You know that instrument? I used to have a whole album. It's just people playing rain sticks. It's pretty dope. I saw them live in Berkeley. When I say live in Berkeley, I was walking down the street in Berkeley. There was four guys with rain sticks standing on the street corner just playing them. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. I have an umbrella. Dad's like, no, no, no. It's not really going to rain. It's just their instruments. I'm like, oh, okay. And I bought their cassette. That's how long ago that was. Rain music. Watch. Watch. I bet money they're not even from Peru. I bet you people are like, dude, that's like from the Andes Mountains, which are in Peru. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyways, Chaz has just given up. He's like, I don't know where we're going at this point. But he manages to find where we're going. We are headed to Yuri Magus. That's in the Alta Amazonas in Peru. <laughs> Carpenter Copter sees a little clearing in the what I would assume is a jungle since the word Amazon is in this name, Alta Amazon. It's May 1983. We land in this little clearing. It's pretty early in the day. It's one. It's one in the afternoon. Not where you would normally expect to find a spooky story, but here we are. We see a man sitting in a little tent named Francisco Concha Leongo. He's a local farmer, but his farm is local, but it's farther away than where he's at right now. He's out having a little vacation for himself. He's hanging out in his tent on the edge of a jungle that devours people constantly. Big old snakes, panthers, ghosts, cryptids, you know. But it's a good place for a vacation if you live there. He's sitting there in the jungle, which I look at my notes, it definitely was a jungle. He's sitting there in the jungle and he's eating a snack. Apparently he's a mouse. Apparently he's a cartoon mouse. He looks up and he sees suddenly, he didn't see him there normally. He sees suddenly two dudes just standing there. 
he, they're about standing maybe like 30, 40 feet from him. So he gets a pretty good view of him. Plus, it's one in the afternoon. I actually am surprised. I thought this story took place at night. I think I actually said in the intro, at night. No, it's like one in the afternoon. It's That's like the, the least spooky day. There's two dudes standing there. And they're dressed in the least spooky way as well. They're both wearing the exact same thing. They're wearing beige-colored jeans. Khakis, but jeans. Do they even... I don't think I've ever seen beige-colored jeans. Maybe it's a Peruvian thing. Or an or an alien thing these guys are from outer space. But not to spoil it too much. I, think, I guess you figured it already. There's two dudes standing there with beige-colored jeans. Boots. Beige boots. Uh, sleeveless and collarless shirts. So they're basically like showing off their guns. They're like, oh yeah, we came all the way from the Andromeda system to flex on you, Earth. It doesn't say how big their pythons are, but you can imagine how muscular you want these aliens to be. They definitely look 100% human, other than their bizarre fashion choice. They're all dressed in head-to-toe beige clothing. So one of these guys is six foot two, with a dark beard. We'll call this guy Raphael, because we gotta give him names, because they're doing different stuff. And then there's a six foot tall dude standing next to him with no beard. So we're going to call him Mikey. This story's not about the Ninja Turtles, by the way. It doesn't involve ninjas at all. Those names are literally off the top of my head. I need to stop watching that cartoon. But they both have this weird description. So Francisco's looking at these two dudes. He's looking at Raphael and Mikey. And he describes their faces like this. They have slanted eyes, large noses, and mouths. They're like, well, Francisco, do they have like three mouths? Do they have multiple mouths? Was it a unique mouth? The description is only he's telling a UFO researcher, oh, no, 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 they had a mouth. They both had mouths. Okay, well, why would why would you even include that? It's a given that they have mouths, right? If you ever say, see someone walking down the street and you're like, that guy looked weird. And you're like, what was weird about him? Oh, yeah, his head was on fire. What? His head was on fire and an axe in the back of his head and he had a mouth. Like, of course he had a mouth. First off, did you call the ambulance? Secondly, yeah, of course he has a mouth. Anyways, so Raphael and Michelangelo... <coughs> damn it! Raphael and Mikey are standing there in the jungle, and Raphael is holding a flashlight. Now, we've covered a lot of alien stories where they seem to have some sort of flashlight. They seem to have a beam weapon that looks like a flashlight. We see a lot of this in alien lore. Looks... Harmless. It looks like a harmless piece of UFO technology, but it's a heat ray. Raphael's holding this flashlight, but it put out a red light. Has a little red light. I'm trying not to make a Roxanne joke. Anyways, it has a red light. And, okay, fine. That's cool that you can hide a beam. You can hide a weapon in a flashlight. That's actually pretty ingenious. Because then you don't know what's happening. In the middle of the day, you're going to assume it's a weapon, right? And one in the afternoon, it kind of loses its Decepticon transforming ability. But he has this flashlight. It also has a nine... I thought this was a translation error. Because I'm like, what? It has a nine-foot-tall antenna coming off of the flashlight. Now, Raphael is already six-foot-two. So even if he put it on the ground, this thing would be taller than him. How do you carry something comfortably... It has a nine-foot-high antenna. And I was thinking, is it meters? That's, that would be even higher. That would be like 25 feet in the air. It's a nine-foot-long antenna. After seeing these guys show up, Francisco's obviously a little nervous. He goes into his tent. I don't know. Maybe he's thinking, if, if I can't see them, they won't see me. But Raphael enters the tent, follows him into the tent, and asks, what are you doing here? Which is quite bold for an alien. 
to say. Very few encounters. Usually at this point, <laughs> usually this point, the dude's already either knocked out, he's losing time, he's on a ship or something like that. The aliens go, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, which is the most ingenious move. I don't know if I'm this quick-witted. He sees these two guys. He knows something's up. He's never seen a flashlight like that before. He goes, oh, my two sons are camping with me. They're huge. They're like uh, seven foot tall and seven foot two. Their names are Leonardo and Donatello. You'll totally get along with them. If they don't beat you up, I'm camping with my two sons. And they could be here any minute. Any minute. Which is interesting because I wouldn't have thought that. I probably would have been a dummy and said, oh, I'm here by myself in the middle of the middle of the jungle eating a snack. What are you doing here? He tells him. And his that was a lie. His sons <laughs> were not on the camping trip at all. He needed some peace and quiet. I don't even know if he has sons. <laughs> now that I think about it, but he does tell them, hey, my sons are going to be here any minute. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm just kind of hanging out. After bluffing, saying how big his sons were, Mikey walks into the tent. Mikey walks into the tent. This is where we get a key piece of information that would have been very helpful at the beginning of the story to set the scene. Because we know it's one in the afternoon. We know this old dude, he's probably like in his 50s or his 60s, eating a snack. A couple guys show up, a couple beige-colored clothing dudes show up. This is where we find this out in the narrative. Uh, Mikey walks into the tent, and he begins rifling through Francisco's stuff. Now, Francisco... It's kind of like, great. Like, I don't know what is going on. I don't know if I'm getting robbed. I don't know if these guys are aliens. I'm kind of assuming they are aliens because they have mouths. And then Mikey sees that Francisco's clothing is like hanging up on the wall to dry. He begins going through the pockets of Francisco's pants. So this whole encounter, Francisco has had no, <laughs> no pants on. Just standing there in his underwear. He's like, ah, oh, I escaped. I escaped and never suspected I was the kidnapper all along. He's standing there talking to aliens in his underwear. And saying his sons are going to show back up. <laughs> and Raphael's like, uh, you might want to put your pants on before your strong kids come to beat us up. As Mikey's going through Francisco's pants, he finds, again, another detail we could have used this whole time. He finds Francisco's teeth. He had no teeth. He had a full set of dentures. What snack he was eating, I don't know. But he was eating a snack. I originally pictured beef jerky. Now I'm picturing, like, banana, maybe? Can you eat a banana with no teeth? Anyway, so Mikey is now holding Francisco's teeth. That must... I've never had anyone... I've never had anyone hold my teeth, but I can imagine it would be very threatening. Because you need those. You need those to eat. You need those for your mouth. These alien mouth-having dudes now have your teeth. He grabs a machete and he... Again... He's going to try to chop these guys up. <laughs> Let me pause here for a second. He does feel like he's under threat, but at this point, all these guys have done is walk into his tent, ask why he was there, and hold his teeth. And he's going to chop these two dudes in half. So do not mess with Francisco. He grabs his machete, and in mid-swing, freezes in place. 100% alien encounter now. He said he was so frozen, he could barely move his eyeballs. Oh looking around i'm looking around the room he's looking straight ahead but he's trying to still see what's going on Raphael walks up to one of the wooden support logs of his tent which i don't even know that i say that i kept calling it was a tent might have been a lean-to might have been a cabin he might really enjoy vacationing he walks up to a wooden support log and he watches Raphael somehow he goes i don't know how he did this i can't even wrap my head around this he etched a mark into the log he just watched the mark appear. He goes, he didn't draw on it with his finger. He didn't 
shoot a fire out of his eyes. He was just standing there, and he was making this mark appear on the log. At that point, Mikey goes, hey, hey, hear that? Francisco's standing there frozen. Machete's still in hand. Raphael looks at Mikey. Mikey goes, someone's coming. Someone's coming. Suddenly, Francisco can move again. He's still in mid-sweep with his machete. But it cuts through nothing. And the second he realizes he can move again is the same second he realizes the two men are gone. They simply disappeared. And also, this is a very busy second, also in that same second, (laughs) it's not the Crypt Keeper, his horse. Again, a detail we could have used much earlier in the story, but I'm reading it the way that they presented it. His horse that was hanging out this whole time with this dude with no pants (laughs) started going crazy and running around the camp area. And he said, you know, thinking back on it, The horse was dead quiet the whole time. The horse said nothing. Well, horses horses never talk, right? Other than hot to trot and Mr. Ed starts freaking out. The second he starts moving again, the second the two strangers disappear, the horse starts running around in circles. I got this story from thinkaboutitnews.com, one of my favorite websites researching this stuff, and they got it from Dr. Juan Americo Isla Velue Nevoa. So, I mean, I mean... Sorry, dude. He's like some esteemed UFO researcher. He's like, damn it! I hope I'm never covered on this podcast again. Sorry, sir. Um, He wrote this in something called ONIFE, which I'm going to assume is some sort of acronym for a UFO group. The story's not finished, though. So he's the one that is telling this story, and it was reported by ThinkAboutItDocs.com. It's an interesting story. Man meeting aliens in the middle of the afternoon. That's super rare in and of itself. Uh, not wearing clothes in front of an alien. That's that's pretty rare. That's pretty rare. Usually it's the aliens that take your clothes off and they abduct you. But there's an interesting detail to this story. Mikey, when he disappeared, when he teleported away, took his teeth. So Francisco's like, dang it. Dang it, dude. But a couple days later, Francisco has a dream where Mikey shows up. Mikey's in the sewer. He's like, come here, dude. You got some pizza? I'll trade you these. I'll trade you these. And Francisco's like, what are you talking about? And Mikey is holding out Francisco's false teeth. And he goes, tell you what, I'm going to give these back to you. (gasps) Oh, Francisco wakes up. He goes, I don't know why I was breathing so hard. That wasn't a nightmare. It was kind of pleasant. Aliens help me out. I I just always breathe hard. I have COPD. He gets him out of bed, and he goes, that's interesting, and I dreamt that Mikey brought me my teeth back, but he goes, hmm, and he walks to where his pants are in his house, and he looks in the pocket, and lo and behold, are Francisco's dentures. Now you are going, Jason. (laughs) Jason, that's basically Taily Poe. That's basically some folklore legend about a guy. It's about a guy who went camping, lied about his sons, got frozen in time, and then his teeth disappeared. Actually, when I describe describe it like that, it sounds like the most fascinating story ever. But this is the most fascinating story ever. And let me explain why really quickly because we're running out of time. Put on your conspiracy caps, guys. What if every time you go look... (laughs) Yeah, I'm going here. What if every time you are missing something, you know you have it in your house? Alien has it. You're trying to find your socks because your feet are cold, but you can only find one. Aliens. 
That's the only example I can think of. That's the only thing I keep looking for is where's my other thermal sock? But you know what I mean? Think about all the times you lose stuff and you're like, I know I haven't left my house. It's somewhere in here, but you can't find it. You can't find it. And then days later, it shows up. Let me tell you what's happening, guys. An alien's in your <laughs> an alien's in your house. And it's interacting with you. And you're like, hey, give me back that sock. But because of lost time, because of brainwashing, you could sit there and have an hour-long conversation with the alien. And then be put back in the spot. Have your mind completely erased. You're just standing there going, dude, I know I was wearing two socks. <laughs> you look down one of your feet and it's super cold. You're like, I know I was wearing two socks. What if aliens are stealing stuff from us? Not just our women, like we always see in the movies, but actual, like, items, tchotchkes, things that we wear, things that we earn, things that we need or don't need. Maybe it's just the remote control, but it would explain everything. You're like, Jason, damn it, when you said this story would explain everything, it would. What's the most common thing that happens to you every single day? You lose stuff. Maybe not every single day, but you lose stuff constantly. And what if we're not losing it? What if it's being stolen from us, steadied, and then brought back to us? Maybe it's some sort of bizarre experiment that an alien shows up in your house, has a mouth, so you know he's from out of this world. He takes stuff from you, and then they observe your reaction to that item being gone. Do you even notice it's gone? If you don't notice it's gone, does that make you more susceptible to future steady? Because you're more likely to forget things. If you look down and you go, I swear I had two socks on. Oh, oh well. You walk and you go, the aliens are like, oh, he'd be great for that experiment we're working on. <laughs> that great sock experiment. They're going to put a bunch of humans in an intergalactic dryer and have them disappear. It's all one big test. When that thing is missing, you didn't lose it. Something took it from you. So the next time you're looking around for your remote control, putting your hands into the cushions of your couch and then getting on all fours as you're grumbling and sliding your hand back and forth underneath the couch hoping you can find it. Instead, you're just moving away popcorn and stale peanuts. Because <laughs> apparently you, you live at a circus. Just be careful how hard you try to find that thing. Sure, it's inconvenient to have to get up and turn on that television. Because as your arm is reaching into that darkness... There may be an alien presence under there as well. It's sickly, pale, gray form, impossibly squeezed into the confines between your floor and your couch. And he's sitting there. He's watching your arm get closer and closer to him. He's just waiting for the right moment to grab you and pull you away. The only warning sign you will see before that moment of terror, is two pitch-black, soulless eyes. And the one thing every alien has. A mouth. DinnerHappyRadio <laughs> at gmail.com is going to be our email address. Didn't I use this before, earlier this week? Don't go on a haunted house because an alien might attack you. Is that a new thing? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio has totally recycled the same ending. It is. It's the same ending. I think that was like Monday's episode. Oh, no. 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. If you listen to Monday's episode, you already listened to this one. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.